welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. Praise the Lord, everybody. And no grit. There we go. Praise the Lord. Just bear with us for a minute. Oh, here we go. It's back on now. technical difficulties this morning as we get started. Uh, hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's getting through this time. Uh, we definitely uh, hate to be back at this spot, but we'll just do what God has us to do. We'll still have church. Amen. And uh, God is so good. Just praying that everybody gets well is the main thing right now. And, uh, God is good. Excited to be here with you this morning. And, uh, it's definitely different. We'd love to have everybody here. But uh, we do have a word from the Lord. And uh, with that, we'll just go straight to the word. In uh, Luke, the ninth chapter, verses 23, my opening scripture will be this. And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Amen. God is good. Uh, I'd just like to talk to you for a few minutes this morning on merely living or walking with God. If you'll 
wherever you're at there right now. Hopefully you're, you're dressed and ready for church this morning. But so let's lift up our hands right now. Let's ask the Lord to bless us to receive this word. Lord, we love and we praise you, Lord, and we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be in your presence, Lord, to come before you, Lord. Even though it is remote, Lord Jesus, your word still goes forth, Lord. We just pray, Lord, that you touch each and every one of us, Lord. Touch all those that are sick in body. Lord, touch them from the tops of their heads to the soles of their feet. Lord, let your virtue flow. Lord, we just pray, Lord, as we battle this, this pandemic, Lord, knowing that you're going to see us through, Lord. We just pray, Lord, this morning that you open up our hearts and our minds to receive this word, Lord Jesus. Lord, that we could be your children, Lord, that we will have a desire to walk with you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise where you're at. God is so good. Amen. Genesis, the fifth chapter, contains the chronological history of ten generations, including Adam, nine patriotic men preached, preceded Noah. Notice the language that Scripture uses to describe each man's life. Adam lived 130 years and had a son named Seth. He then lived another 800 years having other sons and daughters. All the days that Adam lived was 930 years. Seth lived 105 years and had a son named Enos. He then lived another 807 years having other sons and daughters. All the days that Seth lived were 912 years. Enos lived 90 years and had a son named Canaan. He then lived another 815 years, having other sons and daughters. All the days that Enos lived were 905. And Canaan lived 70 years and had a son named Mahaliel. He then lived another 840 years, having other sons and daughters. All the days that Canaan lived were 910 years. Mahaliel lived 65 years and had a son named Jared. He then lived another 830 years having other sons and daughters. All the days of Mahaliel lived were 895. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Enoch's son Methuselah. Well, Jared, let me back up. Jared lived 162 years and had a son named Enoch. He then lived 800 years having other sons and daughters. All the days that Jared lived were 962 years. Enoch's son Methuselah lived 187 years and had a son named Lamech. He then lived another 782 years having sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah lived were 969 years. Lamech lived 182 years and had a son named Noah. He then lived another 595 years having sons and daughters. All the days that Lamech lived were 777 years. Have you noticed a pattern here? Each of these men lived from the time they was born until the first became a father. Then lived an additional number of years. And it was noted in the end of his days that he lived a certain number of years. The pattern repeats itself eight times in Genesis chapter 5. The only anomaly is the pattern is Enoch. This is what the Bible says about Enoch in Genesis 5, 21 through 24. And Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. 
And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. All these other men in that chapter lived their lives. But something happened in Enoch's life. There was a change somewhere along the way. His story starts just like everyone else's story. He's a common guy living a common life. Dealing with the ordinary day-to-day struggles of life. But somewhere around the time that he became a father of his first son Methuselah. Enoch's life is transformed. His biography alone notes that he spent the rest of his years not merely living, but walking with God. What does that mean? The others merely lived out their days. They offered sacrifices to God. They maintained a righteous line of godliness and worshipped the one true God. We know this because the worship of God is passed from Adam to Noah through the godly lineage. The rest of their world was given completely over to sin and self-pleasure. The rest of their world ignored God. Amen. And eventually got so far away from God in the span of ten generations that God destroyed the earth in Noah's day and started all over. But these nine men that carry the witness of the word of God through the generations from Adam to Noah While they worshiped God and passed his word down from one generation to the next, the story writer notes that they merely lived out their lives. But Enoch was different. As a matter of fact, he was radically different. For 65 years, he was just like the others. He lived a life of service to a God he didn't really know. But then something changed. This one of those times that I wish that Scripture could just once open up more fully and really reveal to us what happened. I don't know exactly what happened, but somewhere along the way, Enoch developed a relationship with God that went far beyond merely living for God. Amen. And it was encapsulated in words, Enoch walked with God. As a matter of fact, for the last 300 years of his life, he progressively became so much closer to God that eventually God decided that he couldn't get any closer to him without being translated from the physical world to the spiritual world. Amen. And Enoch's walk with God was so powerful force that when it came to that point, God simply took him from this life and translated him into the eternal. Amen. What a mind-boggling concept that man could get so close to God that he would no longer be at home in this world anymore. Amen. That a man would become so close to God that God would desire his presence in the eternity. I mean, long before the year, his years on this earth were concluded, of all the men who ever lived of Enoch alone, it is said, Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him. That is vast difference between merely living and actually walking with God. I want you to consider for a moment this one question this morning. Are you merely living or are you walking with God? Are you merely living or are you walking with God? That has been a challenge since November, looking past the last year and going into this new year. For 2022, are we just merely living or are we walking for God? I think God wants to take us to a different level through 2022. It was laid out in the three Ds 
that we had on watch night service through, through, devo through devotion, through de uh, doctrine and discipleship, amen? Are we just passing our days? Are we just getting by? Are we just doing the bare minimum or what it takes to live for God? Are we guilty of falling into the same trap that all those ancient men fell into? The trap of becoming so caught up in our life and your, in our desires and our pursuit for whatever pleases us that you, we've, we've relegated living for God to some insignificant corner in our lives. It is time to be honest with ourselves, amen? Are we just passing our days by on this earth, merely living, barely getting by spiritually, or have we discovered what the really means to walk with God, to have that relationship of dying out daily and walking with Him, following Him? Enoch's stories in Scripture for a reason. The writer notes a difference about Enoch's life on purpose. The history of Scripture does not just exist Amen, so that we can know what happened. All those years ago, the history of Scripture exists so that we can know that what happened then can happen now. Amen, we can have that relationship that Enoch had today. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word don't change. He, he still has that desire to turn back to that relationship that we had in the garden before man's fall. Amen. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11 that these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instructions. Amen. Enoch's story isn't there tucked away in the genealogy of the patriarchs just so that we can know that there was once a man who lived a life that none of his peers ever lived, a man who somewhere along the way in the middle of his otherwise ordinary life Amen. Discovered that what it was to walk with God. A man who got so close to God that God had to take him from this world. The story isn't there just so we can marvel at what happened to Enoch. The story is there so that we can know that it is possible to walk that close to God. It is an example. It is there as an instructions. The story is there so we can read and realize that we too can have that kind of relationship with God. The problem is we are altogether satisfied with merely living. Amen. We are too comfortable with just passing our days. For too many of us, heaven is just a destination that we are hoping to get to someday. But Enoch shows us that there is a way of living that goes far beyond just getting by. Amen. There's a relationship with God that is so much deeper and far more powerful than we can have with God. Amen. The prophet Amos asked a powerful and important question in Amos 3 and 3. He says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Now here's the caveat to that. If you are going to walk with God, you have to be going the same direction as him. Amen. Two people, two cannot walk together unless they agree. Let me let you in on a little secret here. God does not negotiate. Amen. If you are going to walk with him, you are, you are going to have to be going where he is going. Amen. We don't walk with, he's not, won't walk with you on your little detours. He won't walk with you and make little side trips with you. He's not going to venture off with you while you are chasing after something that is contrary to his will and to the plan he has for your life. 
Amen. If you're going to walk with God, then you have to put everything else in your life under submission to Him and His will in order to walk with Him. He has to come first, and everything else has to come second. It's all about Him. It's not our will. It's His will. Amen. It's dying out to the self that we have. I'm, if I'm going to walk with God, anything in my life that contradicts His purpose and His will for my life has to be abandoned. Anything that is take, talking me away from him or in a different direction than he is going has to die. God and I cannot walk together unless we are in agreement. And that doesn't mean that he has to agree with me. That means that I have to agree with him. Amen. The chief reason why so few people ever experience a walk with God that he wants us to have is because few of us are willing to surrender our lives to him in such a reckless abandonment. Think about it for a minute. Anyone who comes to God must come as Enoch came, consciously surrendering his life to the eternal purpose of God without regard for self. Don't you think that Enoch would have enjoyed living the 900 years of all his peers lived? Don't think that there was so, so much of life that he was left undone, so much that he never experienced when God took Enoch from this world, he was a youthful age of 365. From our perspective, he lived less than half the life of his peers lived. But that's the problem. Our perspective is completely wrong. Our perspective is entirely self-centered. It's all about us. Everything revolves around us. What was so radically different with Enoch's life is that it revolved around God. Amen. From God's point of view, Enoch lived a richer, more full and abundant life in 365 years that he lived than all the peers lived in all of their 900 odd years. Enoch packed so much living into those three last 300 years that God said he can't experience anything more in this fleshly body. He's gotten so close to me, he can't humanly get. I'm going to have to give him a new body a new reality, and make him a new creature. Because he doesn't, he's done all this living he can do in this present life. Amen. So one day God simply took him out of this life and into the next. The problem is that we've got our focus all wrong. We look at living for God for a very, from a very self-centered perspective. The question that we struggle with or not how close to God can I get, but rather how close to the world will he allow me to live? How much ungodliness can I take into my life and still be saved? How much of the manners and customs of the world can I adopt and still be considered holy? How much love for the world can I entertain before it costs me my relationship with God? We want to know how low the bar is. We focus on the minimums. What does it take to merely be saved? What does it take to merely live for God? What does it take to stay in the church? What is the least that I can do? Amen. But all along we are leaving the best part behind. All along we are sacrificing the abundant life that God has given us to live on so much less. We insist on eating with the pigs of the pig pen than when our daddy's table is set in such a satisfying splendor. Amen. We drink from the filthy cisterns of this world. 
while we neglect the abundant wells of the living water that God has provided for us. Amen. We turn our back on a table that was prepared for us. And we forage in the garbage cans of this life, eating from the very gutter of human existence when we were called to sit in heavenly places and partake in very riches of glory, all because we are so focused on the needs and desires and wants of our flesh. We've been taught our entire life that our chief aim is to please ourselves. Amen. Little baby Elam is already learning that when he gets hungry, all he has to do is cry and somebody is going to feed him. He's already learning that the world revolves around him. The problem is that we carry that mindset into our spiritual lives. We have the impression that God's main purpose is to satisfy us. We are convinced ourselves that the chief goal is to make us happy. Let me share a simple truth with you. God was not made for you. You were made for God. God does not exist to be your glorified bellboy. He does not simply exist to do whatever pleases you, to do whatever it takes to satisfy your every whim and carnal desire. Not at all. You were made to glorify him. Amen. You were created for his pleasure. You were created to his fellowship with him, to walk with him and to know him. But somehow we have convinced ourselves that God bends to our reasoning, that he will conform to our rationale, the reason why we live our lives at the minimums and waste ourselves in the gutters of life instead of walking in heavenly places because we have convinced ourselves, amen, that this is all God needs from us. We have convinced ourselves that God would be so happy that we are actually making an effort to live for him in whatever minimalistic way we are doing it. And he will bless and condone whatever measures of our lives that we decide to give him. What arrogance, amen? What arrogance. We was created for his glory. He wasn't created for ours. This is the reason why so many merely live their lives instead of walking with God. We think we can dictate to God what it means to walk with him. Honey, we don't, we, he's not your bellboy and he's nobody's fool. He has made a plan in the plane in his word that it, what it takes to walk with him. And the first thing on that list is I must die out to myself. I must willingly lay my life at an altar and crucify this flesh. With all the debilitating wants and whims, I must exalt God above my desires, above my wants, above even my own pleasure and comfort. I wish we would consider Job. Job was a righteous man who loved God and kept his commandments. But God decided to allow Satan to afflict him for no other reason than simply to demonstrate God's glory. Job lost everything. It cost him, all his earthly possessions, his kids, his health, everything. Amen. And God never explained himself. Amen. God never gave Job an understanding. As a matter of fact, through most of Job's trial, God was silent. Amen. The heavens were closed up. He couldn't find God anywhere. He couldn't feel God anywhere. Job's testimony is that he continued to believe in the goodness of God. When God's goodness was nowhere to be found, Job continued to believe. 
That his whole purpose for living was to glorify God no matter what was going on in his life. Amen. We look at Job and we marvel, but we fail to see the most important point that Job's life makes for us. Everything in Job's life was submitted to God. God took it all from Job, but Job never stopped glorifying God because Job understood that was what he was made for. Our chief problem is that we think God was made for us. We think that God should satisfy us. It, does, it goes against our way of looking at life to imagine that God would allow us to be afflicted and he would place us in the midst of chaos and trouble for no other reason than simply to bring glory to himself. But that is exactly what God did with Job. And that is exactly what God has made each and every one of us for. Amen. We were made to glorify him. That is the highest purpose of our lives. Amen. Listen to me. Your life will never go the transformation from merely living to walking with God until you put God on the throne of your life. That's what it means. That, what that means is that time for a revolt. As, and as long as King Self rules our life, you will never know what it is to walk with God. Amen. You will always settle for less. You will always be bound to, to, to what play, pleases your flesh. You will always be limited to the flawed logic and your carnal reasoning. Have you ever wondered how it is that religious institutions make peace with peace with lifestyles that the Bible adamantly portrays as sin. Amen. I can tell you how. They elevate their own reasoning and their own desire for peace and prosperity above God in their lives. They stopped walking with God a long time ago and they finally gotten to the place that, they, that their living isn't even taking them in the same direction of God anymore. That's how you get to a place where you call evil good and good evil. Let me call your attention one more time to the words of Jesus in Luke 9, 23 and 24. And he said to them, Oh, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus said that anyone who wants to be his disciple must do three things. First, we must deny ourselves. Self is the single greatest obstacle, amen, to walking with God. Self must be denied. Self must be thrown off of the throne of our lives. This is the radical change that God requires of us. It flies in the face of everything that we have been taught our entire lives. We must submit our will and our desires and our wants and our whims to God. Forget walking with God. You cannot even enter the realm of being in a friend's disciple until you are willing to deny yourself. This isn't the final step. This is the initial threshold to the following after God. But we've drifted so far that it seems as if this would be the ultimate expression, amen, of faithfulness to God. When it isn't, it's just the start. It's just the beginning. 
Amen. We've been so caught up in condition that we can be and everything, do anything that we want to do. Our moms and dad have taught us that. Amen. As a child, we whined and we cried and we got fed a bottle. We got our diapers changed. The world revolved around us and somehow we've carried that into our mature life. Amen. But we must deny ourselves. Amen. We must die out to ourselves. Our selfish ways must perish. The next thing that must happen is that we must take up our cross. Amen. And a condemned criminal was forced to carry his cross to a place of his execution. It was said of a criminal when he was, was seen carrying his cross that he was on a one-way journey. He would never be back again. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. Not just to inconvenience ourselves on a Sunday morning, but to completely leave behind our captivity to our self-centered way of living and follow after him. Take up your cross, he said, and follow me. It is a one-way journey. Walking with God is a one-way trip. Amen. There's no detours. It's straight and narrow path that leads to righteousness. Amen. In the end, the man who merely lives his life is in danger of gaining the whole world but losing his soul. Amen. God is calling to this church this morning to abandon this foolishness and self-centered life that we have settled for and strive for something so much deeper. God wants you to walk with him. And that is where what you were made for. Amen. That is the only thing that will ever satisfy your soul. There will always be emptiness. There will always be brokenness and unsatisfied desire deep within you if you never come to a place of true discipleship and lay down your life to follow him. Amen. As I prepare to close, amen, God is so good. I'm here this morning to sound the alarm. Amen. In prayer and everything, going into the new year, started looking at my life, where I was at, living for God, walking with God. Am I truly walking with God or was I just living for God, just getting by? And I feel the Holy Ghost is challenges. I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. Amen. And I believe the Holy Ghost is right there where you're at this morning. Amen. Again, I'm here to sound the alarm, to wake us up before it's too late. God is calling us to abandon shallow living and discover what is true meaning to walk with Him. Amen. The quickest path to losing out with God is satisfaction with where you are. Amen. The quickest way to grow spiritually cold and dead is to lose your hunger for the presence of God. My friend, I'm here to tell you this morning that the distractions of this life act as anesthesia for your soul, dulling your hunger for God and the things of God until, the rock you are, until they rock you off to sleep. When the enemy of your soul gets you to a place where you are merely living, barely getting by, just sleepwalking through your walk with God without any real power of the Holy Ghost in your life. That's when he is free, amen, to come in and rob you of your joy. The thief, Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
the first thing he does before he spiritually kills you is to steal from you the blessing of God, the joy of the Holy Ghost, and the wonder and the actually walking with God. Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 43, that if, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. If the good man had only realized that the thief was going to rob him, then slowly kill him, he would have stood guard against him. He would have gone. He would not have gone off to sleep, but he didn't know. And though he was sometimes vigilant and sometimes watchful, he eventually got lulled off to sleep and left his home unprotected. That's what merely living will get you. It will lead you to a place where the endless cycle of days and weeks lulls you off to sleep. It will bring you to a place where the entertainments and enticements of this world become much more captivating and much more rewarding to you than the pursuit of the blessings of God in your life. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. And before long, if you aren't careful, the rhythm and day and night, the day-to-day -day living will lull you right off to sleep and you will lose everything that really matters in your life. The worst part of it is that you won't even realize that you've lost it until it's gone. I come to this pulpit this morning to sound the alarm, to stir you up, to challenge your soul, to wake you up before it's too late. There's more to life than simply living. There's more to life than just getting by. There's a relationship with God that goes so much deeper than the surface level where you are used to living. God is calling you to walk with Him, to know Him, and to experience Him in a way that you've never known Him before. The Holy Ghost is moving here this morning. The Holy Ghost is moving right where you're at. He's stirring up which was almost dead. And as He is walking up, waking up that which was, has nodded off to sleep, Amen. The Holy Ghost is trying to revive a hunger in your heart for the things of God. You were made for more than just living. Just as surely as John 10.10 10 says that the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. In the same scripture, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Abundant life is calling you. God is inviting you to know Him, to walk with Him like Enoch walked with Him. That more intimate relationship. 2022 has got to be about a more intimate relationship. Let's end where we started. Enoch's story changed. He didn't always walk with God. Your story can change too. The first thing that has to happen is that self has to sacrifice on an altar of repentance. I hear the Holy Ghost calling, come and die. Come and lay down your life. Come and let go of the glitter and the trinkets that have captivated you and experience the abundant life that awaits you. God is calling you to walk with Him on that daily basis, to deny yourself, 
to pick up that cross. Everybody wants Jesus, but we struggle with that cross. Amen. That cross of sacrifice, dying out. Amen. The everyday sacrifices of giving all that we have, submitting ourselves to God. Amen. But God desires that relationship with you. Oh, come on, let's pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you touch each and every one of us, Lord. Lord, let the desire, Lord, for more you, Lord Jesus, to move and resonate within our soul, Lord, not to be satisfied where we're at, Lord, but help us, Lord, <coughs> to go to higher heights and to deeper depths in you, Lord. Tear down every stronghold in our life, Lord. Cast down every imagination, Lord. Everything that tried to exalt itself above you, Lord, let it come into captivity to your word, Lord, to your power, your presence, Lord. Lord, that we'll want to desire, Lord, to walk with you. Lord, that nothing else matters than being with you, Lord, giving our will to your will, Lord. Not our way, but your way, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you touch each and every one of us, Lord. Help us to reach those heights, Lord, that in this plan that you have for our life, Lord, as you order our steps, Lord, as you carry us on this journey, Lord, on this path, Lord. Bless each and every one of us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes, Lord. Come back tonight at 6.30. Tune in. Amen. Just continue to pray and let the Lord continue to move. In Jesus' name.